0: Here are four principles for living like an American. Protect freedom. Take responsibility at all times. Express gratitude for every gift and opportunity. Become a source of love. Once again, these are the times that try our souls. We must find the strength and the courage to rise up to re-found America in the spirit of liberty. Welcome, my wonderful, wonderful audience. Always glad to be here at this rock of my life where I get to be on a TV show and uh, to talk with you about what's going on in the world. Interview wonderful people like Samuel Sigalov, MD, who is already, I think, up on screen with me. This is Refounding America and uh, Reclaiming Ourselves. And uh, it's Brighty on TV. And we're on at uh, live. This is live at uh, six p.m. on Wednesdays. Um, you might that's a, we're on Roku. You know, this is real TV. This isn't some fool around stuff. We're on Roku, and that's on that's built into new TVs. And on the radio on PRN Live, I've had an association with them for many, many years. Um, Again, uh, just really glad to be with you and this is gonna be a very interesting, very interesting time. Well, here we are starting our show with uh, Dr. Samuel Sigalov. He reminded me that um, he's a DO uh, rather than an MD. And if you want to know the difference, um, a DO is a nicer person in general who has broader interests than just drugging people. So uh, some of the best physicians out there are DOs and uh, I um, frequent them when I can. So uh, I'm really so glad to have you back on on my sites again. We interviewed you, Ginger and I, uh, and just had a wonderful time. I wanted to share with you, uh, since you're you're a major in the... Well, I guess I ought to interview you. I ought to introduce you a little more first. You're board certified in family medicine. See, the DOs are real physicians, and better often, and a major in the U.S. Army. And you're going up against the two greatest monopolies in the world, the military-industrial complex and the pharmaceutical-medical complex. This is an amazing thing to be doing. And uh, you've come up against them in terms of the COVID injections, and despite having a great career, they don't like that very much. And we're going to talk about that and uh, your situation and also your own individual resor- uh, research. Um, and uh, you've done, you have done—you just do a lot of really good independent research. I also wanted to mention to my audience and to you that... Um, for the first time um, to, to today, um, it'll be going up on a Thursday at five o'clock on uh, America Out Loud Pulse. Just look up America Out Loud. Um, Ginger and I interviewed another uh, outstanding representative of the military, Dr. Thomas um, um, McInerney, and um, He he's just an amazing man, um, a general in the U.S. uh, forces, and he has, uh, God, he's done over 400 combat missions, but he just knows a lot about uh, globalism, and he knows a lot about uh, Asia. He's had very high uh, positions in Asia in the service, and um, I I just want to boast about one thing. um, that just struck me. He loved our book, COVID nineteen: The Global Predators, and we had never talked before. He went on rhapsodically about how it is the book to uh, find things and look things up and go back to as the best uh, understanding of what's going on in the world today. And um, it was it was uh, it was heartwarming, and it just revitalized my desire to tell people about the book more than I do. I don't. Push it on my shows uh, enough, and and he came up with descriptions of the way Communist China is influencing us, including our elections, that were mind blowing that I did not know about. And you can listen to this um, if uh, this is uh, January fourth, and it'll be uh, on January fifth on America. Um, out Loud at 5 p.m. Li- uh, live and then it will go up there, you know, in the archives. But you could have two great mili- examples of mil- of the military, young and retired, in two days by uh, following this show up with our show tomorrow uh, on America Out Loud. And if you haven't been there before, it is a- an amazing place to go, America Out Loud. It's where we do our Ginger and my my radio show together, and is where we write columns uh, on a weekly basis. Ginger does amazing uh, writing there. Well, how has your life been since we interviewed you a short time ago? It hasn't changed
1: much yet, sir. <laughs> Nothing much is. They haven't done anything to do you yet. Not yet. Thank you so much for having me on. And I first want to start with saying that anything I say is my own opinion, not that of the Department of the Army, nor the DOD, nor the U.S. government.
0: Well, tell our audience what you've been doing, what you've been up against, what the data is shows from the military and this rather extraordinary uh, ability the military has had to collect data on the vaccines and then to disappear it. <laughs> but... F- It's happily, I think
1: it was captured before it was disappeared by other people. Is that true? Pretty much. That that's an overview of it. I think the story goes much, much deeper. And I'll be putting a podcast out this weekend that talks about how deeper it goes and how the whole which you're referencing is the Defense Military Epidemiologic Database or DMED. And people may be familiar with Thomas Renz when he was Um, on Capitol Hill, and he said there was these three whistleblowers, um, Sam Sigloff, uh, Lieutenant Colonel and Dr. Teresa Long, Lieutenant Colonel and Dr. Pete Chambers, we all came forward and said this data looks terrible. And we saw hundreds of percent increase in um, comorbidities, so illnesses, things like pulmonary um, embolisms, heart attacks, strokes, uh, infertility, cancers, all these, saw a huge significant increase and this was only in the active duty population. And then shortly, a few weeks later, that entire database was taken down and the story is there was a glitch and the glitch fixed it. And a lot of those numbers corrected and went away. Um, that's, that's the big story. Now, that led to other people digging into the numbers significantly. And it appears that even the numbers that we were given as the baseline for the previous five years, those have been altered so what it appears is there's a false a fake system where they fakely put the numbers in there to make it look like the the increase wasn't as bad as it was and they did that about a few years prior and they also coincided it with a server migration so that so on computer systems you put a file here and then time later you put a file here you can see that difference even though when you pull the files and you see all the data together But if you physically look at how the data is placed onto the hard drive, you can see there are spaces in between. When you take that data and move it to a different hard drive and do a data migration to new servers, those spaces go away and they get filed right next to each other. And that's what appears that there may have been some of that at play.
0: What would that do when when that data was mixed like that?
1: Um, so what, what that would do, or what, what the allegation is, and again, these are all allegations, we, we don't know that we need investigations to figure out what's actually happened, but it appears this may be the biggest fraud ever perpetrated in humanity. God. Because it's, it's a false system that was falsely, had a glitch that they corrected to try and make it look like it didn't have as big a spike, but the whole system may be inaccurate. And it's, the system is run by a civilian contractor. Mm-hmm. And it's only military data in there. So this is potentially secret, top secret information because it's dealing with the health of every service member.
0: Yeah. Roughly how many uh, people were covered in this data? Have you any idea?
1: Uh, like in the entire database, it's all the active duty military personnel. Yeah. Um, rough numbers, I couldn't tell you, probably in the 500,000 range, but there's no specific information. It's, it's um, de-identified information, so it tells you trends.
0: Wow. What was the most striking trend to you
1: about it? Well, We discovered this, and it was Dr. Long. She called me and said, Sigloff, I need to make sure I'm doing this right. Go into this system. Okay, ma'am. Okay. And put this information in, and I believe there was like a 400 percent increase in pulmonary embolism, maybe yeah. a 300% increase in testicular cancer and breast cancer. I mean... Overall, it was about a thousand percent increase in overall morbidity. So that's illness and reasons to go to the doctor for, and many of these these illnesses can make one combat ineffective.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah, Ginger, my wife Ginger, um, because of an event with a, uh, a friend of ours um, who was treated uh, for a cancer that uh, in general, they expected to contain and to you know and to handle. and when they um, when they opened him up, uh, the cancer had uh, spread dramatically, and they were put in a position of of not being prepared for that. And um, they'd even done some things which then delayed treatment of this cancer because some of the tests they did uh, for uh, made it necessary for them to go ahead and do um, uh, radiological tests, which pushed off the radiological treatment. And Ginger uh, pointed out to us, you know, the big group we belong to, C-19, which is mostly physicians. Um, Are you a member of C-19? No, sir. Oh, we we can manage that for you. McCullough started it. And it's, uh, it's hundreds and hundreds of mostly physicians. And um, I'll talk to Ginger then after the show about because she does some administrative work like putting new people on. Um, and then you'll have to adjust all the material that keeps coming into your emails. And they have a, you can also s- separate it out into packages and things. But she's written to them saying, we got to start thinking about our new gentlemen. And ladies need to start. Th- she's not a physician. Need to start thinking about uh, your treatment regimens and and your your preparation for even uh, examining tumors because they may be uh, they may be expanding at a far greater rate than you anticipated because of the vaccinations. Does that make sense to you?
1: Yes, sir. And it's interesting you bring this up because I recently interviewed Dr. Lee Merritt. She's, yes. Um, Orthopedic surgeon, and we discuss in this. It's episode number fifty-four on my podcast. She's not
0: and a, Lee Merritt's not an orthopedic surgeon, she's a pediatrician.
1: Orthopedic uh, Dr. Lee Merritt, orthopedic spinal surgeon. Yes, yes sir. There's a oh, Merritt. all right. I'm thinking of Lee Merritt. Okay. <laughs> yeah, some some similar names. Yeah, but she. Um, and I don't know if you're familiar with her, but she she was talking about parasites, and. A parasitologist had noticed that many of their slides look like those from cancer patients, and we talk about some different antiparasitic treatments. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, take a, where would you like to go from here? I want to. Um, I've sort of been st- making a stutter a little bit with it, you know bringing up different subjects and things like that. Um, I'd like you to just, uh, you know, this, not, this audience may not overlap hugely with the audience you were on with before with us. So uh, just uh, tell people what you've been through and, and uh, what your thinking is about all this stuff, because you know a lot and you know a lot about the service.
1: Yes, sir. So just a quick Reader's Digest version is, you know, I was in the COVID tent. I was the only doctor that volunteered in Alaska to go into that tent. I was out there for a month and a half. And I tested as as liberally as I could. I made any excuse to to fit a diagnosis and to try and test as many people as I could. And after a month Mm -hmm. and a half, I never got a single positive test. Then a short time later, they came out with the ingredient list of what's in the COVID vaccines. And I looked up some of those ingredients, Uh, in particular, DSPC and DSPE. Those are both lipid nanoparticles. And I encourage your listeners to go Um, Check those out search them see what they are because I believe those are bioweapons And I lay out that whole idea of a bioweapon in my episode number 33 And I I show you every single document because I don't want you to take my word for it I want you to prove me wrong because if i'm wrong Then i'm happy
0: tell people how they
1: get to episode 33 Yes, sir. So they can go any on anywhere you get um, podcasts so itunes spotify any of those places, but you can't see the documents if you go to rumble And you search After Hours with Dr. Sigloff under Channels. It's episode number 33. It's part one of my Biowarfare series. And in there, I show the business documentation of how Bosun Pharmaceutical made an agreement with BioNTech in March of 2020. And part of that agreement, they would do the research in China or some of the research in China. They would, and China would only market to China and BioNTech would market to the rest of the world. And then I showed the business agreement between BioNTech and um, Pfizer now is done in July, and how Pfizer would supply America with about 300 million doses. So, you basically have a Chinese communist government working through BioNTech to supply a treatment, it's not a vaccine, a genetic therapy to American service members and American civilians. You know, I know,
0: I picked that up uh, early on and, and just uh, directed people to it in our book, in COVID-19 and the Global Predators, but I didn't have much detail about what was going on. And um, so the they're actually manufacturing in China?
1: Yes, sir. And in that, when I made that video, some of the, the testing sites were redacted. Some of those documents have been re-released since I've made that, that episode. And it shows that the testing site was made in shang was one of the testing sites was shanghai china that was previously redacted and what's very interesting about if you look at the redaction codes so it's a blacked out area it says b and has a number 4 and if and i show all this documentation as well if you look at the redaction codes b4 it says that if that were to be released it would it would inhibit the application of a us weapon system
0: wow now, has this got any media attention? Is anybody doing anything with this? Is Tom Ren's doing it? My friend Tom Ren's, the lawyer, doing anything with it?
1: I I think it sounds so crazy that people want to disbelieve it.
0: Yeah, me too. It's just, I, but I, folks, I run into that almost daily now. I, I ran into that with the uh, McInerney, uh, the general. I mean, it's like, oh my Lord, these things I'm learning. Um. And uh, so many of us have so many different things we're finding, and it yeah, really it is hard to accept. So, and do and we have evidence that those batches were going to the U.S. then?
1: Well, they were at least tested in Shanghai, China. I don't mm. know where they were manufactured. And another episode, I show how the DOD, or at least the government, supplied batches of comernity, comernity labeled Mm -hmm. And I say that for a very particular reason. When there is a man who called, we'll call him Chad, and I have this whole phone call on the episode. And Chad called Pfizer, got to a representative, and gave him the lot number, FW1331. And the lady looked it up in her system. And that lot number was produced in France. Well, at the time, there was no FDA-approved location for production in France. And the reason they call it community-labeled it's because in Europe, they're they're equivalent to EUA. I believe it's CMA. They can put the actual brand name on it, whereas we can't do that in the United States. So that's fraud because they brought it from France, mislabeled. It's a mislabeled product. That's a felony, and now they're trying to present it as the actual product.
0: Now that now France, I mean uh, the EU. I'm just recently reading. Um, in January of 2021, started marketing that co- the comedy under the comedy label in Europe. Does that fit into your story somewhere?
1: Yes, sir. And they're equivalent to EUA, the Emergency Use Authorization. They can put that co label, that name yeah. on there, even though it's still equal to Emergency Use Authorization.
0: And some of those... Um, manufactured possibly in China? I know the
1: EU is stupid about China (laughs) to stupid as you can get about China. Well, I haven't seen, I have not seen anything about manufacture in China, but I have seen research done in Shanghai.
0: Yeah.
1: And so, I mean, if you research it in Shanghai and you have a business agreement that you're only going to sell to your people, you can't make a profit that way unless you want to sell to the whole world. But if you want to protect your people from whatever's in this, then you'll sell to your people and you'll give them whatever they're going to sell to the rest of the world.
0: The, um, I know it's, it is a, called a partnership be, between uh, the Chinese and, um, you know, the, inter, the intermediate to Pfizer, um, the, the company that Pfizer partnered with in Germany is part, has partnered with the Chinese. Biotech, Yes, yeah, Biotech. thank you. That, 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 that literally, it was uh, very early on, uh, folks, the um, Pfizer went into direct partnership but very, very early on with Biotech, And I'm sure that uh, Bill Gates involved with that, I mean, it has to be because he's just been promoting Pfizer from the beginning, going back 10 years before all this. As, the, as his vaccine people, along with moderna and um and so, at the very very start we we have these connections directly into China partnering through Germany
1: and a listener may not know this, and I'm sure you do, but moderna has never brought a product to market in its entire existence until now
0: yeah it was really created to uh to do warp speed ten years ahead of time. <laughs> What it was it's, uh, partly found, founded, partly funded and founded by the Gates.
1: And, and there's many people that believe, oh, well, I, I'll get something that's DNA because it's not as bad as RNA. And I actually believe, I just by the way biology works, I believe that DNA is actually probably more dangerous because there's no intermediate steps. It doesn't have to be reverse transcribed. It can go directly through your nucleus into your DNA and be integrated. And we see that with viruses. I never thought of that.
0: Yeah, so it could get back into the nucleus with, with much less trouble. There, uh, there's a uh, an enzyme, transferase, right? Transferase. That um, folks moves, can take RNA or DNA and push it back into the nucleus. And the thought is that the mRNA gets Uh, worked on by the transferase and it can get into then the nucleus of the cell, the operating system and even into, you know, in the uh, testes and in the ovaries and start uh, passing on generations of uh, new kinds of folks, not clearly defined as what's going to happen, but they do these things. uh, One of the most important things these do is they cause sterility in a huge number of people. So you're going to be passing on sterility as well as uh, other things, and uh, that's another one of those things that I couldn't talk about in the beginning. I didn't believe that that the FDA would let through something that was causing sterility in a large number of animals knowingly. Finally, uh, had to, uh, you know, and, and also you know, and uh, also passing through. Uh, these vaccines that were killing large numbers of the uh, the uh, animals, mostly mice, that were uh, taking these. So it became clear that it was like a, a I, 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 say, I would say, with, hey folks, it's like a biological weapon and now more and more, you know, I think many of us are saying, as, as you are, it, uh, it's a biological weapon. It's so crazy, it's hard to, that our own country would so turn on itself to collaborate with the Chinese. And to collaborate with the Western, what I call the Western Empire. Bill Gates is a population guy, Klaus Schwab's a population guy, practically everybody who is a globalist, uh, going back to, uh, you know, uh, member members of the Rockefeller family, very big globalist, um, at least two of his sons, uh, uh, you know, they wanted to reduce the population of the earth and this, we could do it quickly, all the better. Um, I think I'm out of time on my first segment, oh my goodness gracious. Um, We'll be back in a minute or two or three. Yeah, folks, this is Peter Bregan again, Dr. Peter Bregan, I'm a psychiatrist by the way, Um, and uh, the show is refounding America, Reclaiming Ourselves, and uh, our guest is uh, Samuel Sigaloff, he's a physician, um, he's well trained, certified in family medicine. Major in the U.S. Army, and um, he was just saying in our uh, last segment that the, um, the probably the spike protein has, has even less of the is less of the toxicity than the lipid nanoparticle covering. What's called the platform? Am I right about that? What's called the platform? Which is the? It covers the um, uh, the head. The um, protein spike. Spike. It, co- <laughs> it covers the spike protein and enables it to get into the cell. The nanoparticle has the ability to pr- break it into the cell, as far as I can understand this. And uh, let, let me hand it back to you, Dr. Sigala.
1: Yes, sir. And, and I think some of this may be ossification on purpose. I, I believe that the spike protein probably is somewhat dangerous and, and pathogenic, but I believe that the true pathogen and the weapon itself is the lipid nanoparticle. And so that's why I caution people who are going to take Novavax. I would encourage you not to take it because we don't know what's in it. They say there's cholesterol in it. Well, that's how they described the lipid nanoparticles that were originally put in Pfizer and Moderna. They called it cholesterol globs. And, hmm. and if you look back, and I, I did this research when I was making an affidavit for Robert V. Austin, and they knew in 2014 that, they called it hydrocarbon chains. They didn't have the lipid nanoparticle nomenclature or name yet,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but it's similar structure. Structure is function. And they noticed that it caused DIC, disseminated intravascular coagulation when you expose people to these hydrocarbon chains. And we saw that with squalene. Squalene is basically one big, long hydrocarbon chain. And these lipid nanoparticles are basically two of them connected together with a phosphorus and some other complex group. So it's basically, it looks very similar to squalene, but two arms of squalene rather than just one. They noticed in 2014 or 15, in one of the patents that I discovered, it's part of the affidavit, is that. It caused the DIC, the disseminated intravascular coagulation. It suppressed the immune system. It caused all sorts of problems, yet they still used it anyway. And I don't know if I mentioned this earlier, but the DSPC and DSPE are both patented for the purpose of getting medications through the blood-brain barrier. And what the blood-brain barrier is, it's a very tight... Think of the, the cells in your body, there's kind of spaces between. Well, in the blood-brain barrier, it's very tight so that mm-hmm. nothing can get through. So blood can't get through, the immune system can't see the brain so that it doesn't begin attacking the brain. There's a few places where we have these barriers, like in the retina, the testes, the ovaries, in the brain to protect the, those areas from the immune system and protect from any other pathogen. And these lipid nanoparticles were specifically patented to go through that. So this whole idea that it was supposed to go in the arm and stay in the arm. That was a lie from the start. Huge fraud, such a huge fraud. And we've all heard many physicians say, oh, we think it might be safe in pregnancy, you should go ahead and get it. No way. That's a whole, whole cloth lie. Because in the research, in, when they did the study, they specifically excluded pregnant and breastfeeding women. In fact, they even told the men, don't get your partner pregnant, for at least 60 days after exposure to the lipid nanoparticle. And when we hear about, oh, well, they, they can measure mRNA and spike protein in the breast milk. Well, you know what else is in the breast milk? Lots of fatty milk. Well, mm-hmm. lipid nanoparticles are fat soluble. They've never mentioned if they have or have not found lipid nanoparticles.
0: Did you mention placenta too? Um,
1: I, I did not, but I'm sure it does cross that. Yeah, it crosses the placenta. Pretty because sure. we find it in babies, infants, ovaries. Hmm.
0: The size of this assault is so great, so grave, so so much like science fiction. The only way, folks, you can understand it is that China's at war with us. And we have a ton of collaborators with China in the United States of America and throughout the world. The whole globalist movement, which is really a Western movement, I now call it the Western Empire, is in collaboration with the Eastern Empire of Xi Jinping. They're, they're, they're going uh, making make a huge mistake because when they fulfill their mutual ambition of destroying all the Western democracies so they can have one globalist world, uh, the chinese will just eat people like bill gates and klaus schwab alive or well, they'll just use them does they be our slaves or be gone um, it'll be that simple that dreadful so you you got to come to grips with this terrible realization of the collaboration and it's so hard to do now ginger and i were were wondering whether we should get involved in this whole thing with covid-19 and in March of 2020, the way we got in is Ginger found an article, which anybody could have found. She just was brave enough to go look. Everybody else was saying, uh, oh, this new uh, virus, that came from nature, it's from an animal, it uh, ne- never was made in a lab, it couldn't be made in a lab, blah, blah, blah. And then we, uh, Ginger finds this 2015 article and we're making sars cov pathogens, they call them SARS-CoV, from harmless bats in the Chinese caves, and the US and China, funded in part by Fauci's Institute, are making these things in North Carolina, University of North Carolina, and in the Wuhan Institute, collaborating. It was a treason. And we thought this has got to be some horrible mistake, what, what is the matter with Fauci that he would fund treasonous collaborations building uh, what are either uh, weapons, that is the virus itself, or defensive weapons, which are the vaccines, and making these with China. And uh, also, the FDA was involved in that study, and Harvard was involved in that study. We looked at, but the most stunning thing was the two top virologists at the Wuhan Institute were involved, including the famous Bat Woman, who was getting the uh, viruses right out of the uh, right out of the caves. And it's over this period of time that all of us have struggled with this until finally, what it led me and Ginger to do was start looking deeper and deeper and Back to Fauci working 10 years earlier with Bill Gates and seeing Bill Gates working with the UN, working with the Communist Chinese, working with the World Health Organizations at least a decade or certainly more than a decade uh, earlier. And having a whole business plan about it that's in the book. It's called the CEPI, C-E-P-I, Preliminary Business Plan. So it's just hard to come to grips with this uh, um, we we were talking about this with uh, General McInerney and, um he uh, he said, "Well, look, we're in World War III, a stealth war. They're conducting a stealth war against us, and you gotta
1: have that grasp." But none of this makes any sense. Go on, please. The thing that I think helps, that helps understand that that we're in war and that we've been in war since twenty-seven March of twenty-twenty, is if you look at how. One can have this emergency use authorization. You must must first have an emergency declared. Yeah. And if you look at the law, and I go through this in that episode 33 of my bioweapon series, um, it's part one of the bioweapon series, and I show you, I show you the document. And I, there's there's four, but in all the military documentations, there's only three, three reasons, and it's chemical, biological, radiologic, or nuclear. SEABURN for short, chemical, biologic, radiologic, or nuclear, used against U.S. citizens on U.S. soil, U.S. citizens on foreign soil, or military. There's a fourth one that's in there that's not really a thing. And all the military documentations, again, they, they only have those three, and I show you all the documentations because they're public source documents. So for them to have said there's an emergency, there has to be a biological weapon used against Americans, either on American soil, hmm. on foreign soil, or against the military. And for that to happen, they declared war on that day, is what I contend, on 27 March 2020, when they said, there is now an emergency, we're going to use emergency use authorization. And this, I don't know if you've heard of Sasha, and I don't know how to say her last name, um, but she has a sub-stack, and she talks about how the entire COVID from start to end, whether it be the virus, or it's the vaccine, this genetic therapy, is a DoD run operation, and it coincides very, very closely with everything that I've researched. And as she goes a little deeper in certain areas than I'm able to, um, because of time and just the way she thinks, but it's all the same information.
0: We're just in the process of looking into that, and I'd love it for you, if you could send us uh, that particular documentation that goes into the DoD because it makes perfect sense. And the DOD actually funds some of this research openly. Um, So it's right there on the articles, you know, uh, could have Fauci on it, and then uh, his NIA, it just gives the Institute, and then could have Department of Defense on it. Um, And uh, there's no question the Department of Defense is deeply interested in this kind of research. Other other, uh, research has indicated, too, that Fauci is uh, almost, he's like an arm of the DOD. Now, I didn't know that at the time uh, of the book, but there's a lot of evidence coming out about how much, you know, the DOD supports NIAID in its funding and support of looking at these pathogens. But you know, it's common sense if you think about it. You don't think that the ambitious people uh, (laughs) like Fauci and, and uh, the defense department aren't going to get on the phones with each other and say all right well how's that research on those bioweapons going and uh, but the idea that they all know this and they don't think the Chinese are going to use it or they don't care if the Chinese uses it and then when the Chinese use it uh, we don't I don't know if uh, be interested in your uh, your opinion dr Zi I don't know whether the release was intentional from Wuhan, but the spread, unquestionably intentional, because China, China closed down its travel and kept sending over planes to the U.S. alone with hundreds of thousands of people until Trump shut them down. And guess who didn't want to shut them down? Fauci, the great shutdown guy, didn't want to shut down travel from even Wuhan. Planes were coming in from Wuhan and all the big, all the big cities in China, the U.S. Like, that are capable of it by direct flight, um, and then there were all the indirect flights that stopped somewhere first that that uh, couldn't even be tracked. So, I mean, it all looks like col- we have a lot of collaborators in this what I call the Western Empire.
1: Sorry about that.
0: No, please, I'd like you to continue,
1: Dr. Ziegloff. One second. A few technical issues. Um, So what's interesting also is during that time frame, I believe it was around December of 2020 when President Trump was being harassed for talking about hydroxychloroquine. Around that same time period is when I found an application for hydroxychloroquine that was financed by DARPA. And in there... They found a faster, quicker way to make high-yield hydroxychloroquine. And DARPA, they have two functions. They make things that don't exist and no one can ever, like, even comprehend what it could be. things It's not an yeah. advancement of technology. It's completely new technology. And they also do medical countermeasures. So it makes sense that they, a few years prior to any sort of big release, that they would have an antiparasitic medication on hand. Mm-hmm. And and one of the claims that I make with Dr. Merritt and also um, another researcher that I've been trying to get on, but she's been very busy. Um, there's a claim that these are nanosynthetic parasites. These yeah. are pa- parasites that take over the body, which would make perfect sense why things like hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin were verboten. Why people practice medicine without a license like governors and my commander to try and keep those from going out because there was an underlying theme that these things needed to get into people for whatever reason.
0: They're also, though, they do have general effects. Um, It has been successfully used um, against uh, viruses in general, Um, uh, both, I think, ivermectin and definitely hydroxychloroquine. And um, it is very anti-inflammatory. and it seems to do some kind of healthy modulation of the immune system. So I don't think we need necessarily to go jump from, well, it's, it's um, doing the parasites when it might just be handling the general condition of a virus. But I do want to learn more seems- about this concept of, of it being a, uh, a parasite. I'm not, I'm not absolutely sure about it, what that would mean. What, that what would that mean like to joke. you if it's a parasite?
1: That may seem like a really big jump because I didn't give all of the information in there. And I encourage the listeners to go check out Dr. K- or Sorry, she's not a physician. She worked for a pharmaceutical company for many years, uh, Karen Kingston. And yeah. all of her research is showing that they have made these nanobots, which sounds crazy. Like it it truly sounds insane to say it's, nanobot. Uh,
0: tell folks go to YouTube, about
1: it. This is go to YouTube, put in nanobot. <laughs> look at those videos. They're like five, 10 years old. Put in yeah. xenobot, X-E-N-O-B-O-T, xenobot into YouTube. And you'll find videos of pre-programmed living cells. Mm-hmm. And some of those videos are two, three, four years old. Pre-programmed to do what? Whatever they wanted to do.
0: Oh, that's a stretch. I
1: mean, just so they they,
0: it might be a very limited pre-programming.
1: I believe what they had said was they, they made these reptiles um, cells and they used... Um, just like embryonic uh, reptile cells, and they made them to go do a task, to go find something or deliver a medication or find a, a cancer. Mm-hmm. But that's how these things are always, you know, sold as, oh, it's going to be something good. What else can yeah. it do? Yeah, definitely. And it, it, it sounds insane, but again, I encourage your listener to pause right now, go to YouTube, put X-E-N-O-B-O-T in, and see what comes up. Don't take my word for it.
0: Um, I'm so glad to be interviewing you, you know, I'm working on a new book and um, you've you've really been focusing on some things that I have not and Ginger has not um, and I'm so glad you're doing your work um, and it's interesting that you're doing, all. You pretty much as I think you've told me in the past, you're doing this work on a lot of the research is flat out on your own, which is of course what we all end up doing, <laughs> we, I mean, who wants to do it? We've got five minutes left. I want, uh, I'd like you to just uh, you know, summarize your own sense of what you want to tell folks.
1: What I want to do is leave people with hope because we've talked a lot of, about a lot of scary things, and I've kind of touched upon very scary things that your brain doesn't want to look at because it's so scary. And I, and I get that, and I understand that. And I don't want to leave people hopeless because as a family medicine doc, it's not my job to take away hope. It's not my job mm-hmm. to give false hope either. But it is my job to give realistic expectations. And I wanna encourage the listeners to go listen to episode 54 on my Rumble channel with Dr. Lee Merritt. We talk about things that, if there's a way to get this stuff out of your body, if you've had the shot, this might be one of the best ways to do it. Now, I'm not saying you should do this. I'm not saying you shouldn't. I'm saying you should go learn about it because at least one of the things that we recommend, the FDA would um, recommend to learn about, let me make that abundantly clear, one of the things that we recommend to learn about to see if it's right for you, The FDA has actually had people arrested because they recommended it as a treatment. And I'm not gonna say you should use it as a treatment, but I know people that do use it. I know a man whose father got rid of his MS by using this treatment, but you should learn about it. Anytime the FDA says, don't do that, that's terrible. Perhaps you should go use that to go think, maybe I need to learn about that. Why are they trying to hide it from me? And if you find that it's dangerous, then good, don't do it. The FDA might've been right but often they've been so egregiously wrong in a 180 degrees direction that I can almost use that as a as a guide to go okay well maybe I should go learn about that at least I think
0: it's very true that uh, pretty much the opposite is true of any pronouncements at the FDA the CDC or any other US agency or any other foreign agency is making if it's relevant to COVID-19 because they are all working together to force you to take the deadly virus, maybe with the hope of programming you in some other ways in the future, uh, but certainly uh, it's, gonna, it's killing a number of us and it's uh, certainly uh, sterilizing a large number of people. Um, it's up to no good. And it isn't helping hardly anyone, and it's not helping anyone who's young or a child. So um, that's the truth about the FDA. And the FDA, in my many, many years of of being uh, doing research on them, which goes back to uh, the '70s, I've been doing research on the FDA since the '70s. Um, they have never interfered in medicine in the manner they're doing now, and you know, when I went to medical school um, and, and more recent people as well, you didn't learn much about the FDA. You certainly weren't waiting on that announcements or announcements and as for the CDC, it had nothing to do with the practice of medicine, but it has uh, pulled those powers in on themselves and they've used COVID for that and that's part of the totalitarian growth of our totalitarian government as a result of COVID-19. Does that make sense uh, to you, sir? Yes, sir. I
1: wholeheartedly agree. Like, they can't practice medicine, but here they are practicing medicine. And if you don't do what they say, then then you're an outcast.
0: Yes, then they then they use their influence to go after doctors. They open the way. They encourage it. Definitely. Um, it's a re- really so good to be getting to know you. And um, I want to spend some private time together just looking at your stuff um, and learning from you. And I'm really, really going to keep encouraging you to do the work you're doing. It's very, very important. And good luck with what is happening. What could you say in a minute, what outcome would you like from the military right
1: now? I'd like to be completely restored, not just myself, but all service members. I'd like there to be some sort of payback for those that have been dismissed over 85. I believe it's over 8,500 have been dismissed so far. Some without retirements that they deserve. I I want to leave with one last thing because we're running out of time, but courage is more contagious than fear and that the duty uniform of the day is the full armor of God. That's
0: beautiful. That's beautiful. I'm, um, I'm 100% in it. I was, I was actually made a note to bring it up because it's so wonderful what you, what you said last time I talked with you, making courage more contagious than fear. Um, and uh, you're doing a great job thank you very very much Um, this is Samuel Sigalov he's a D.O. and a great doctor